your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to Lacrosse Talk PM. What day is today? Wednesday? It's Wednesday. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line if you want to get in here. Dr. Ted Wilson in studio for those watching on Facebook Live. Got a guest in studio and we're, you know, CDC just changes all their things. So we're like, okay, CDC, let's, uh, let's just, uh, we'll, we'll just go haphazardly into, uh, into the pandemic, I guess. But, uh, uh, Ted is a Viterbo biology chair. He's an entomologist. I've, I've got that word down. I can you're, almost spell it. You're pronouncing it correctly. That's right. It's... And I, I can almost spell it without, you know, Google telling me it's wrong. And, um, so the study of bugs essentially is the it's like your forte, your favorite thing. What you got into this field for, right? Yeah, that's my area of uh, expertise, training, uh, graduate degrees from Iowa State University. And when it comes to to bugs, uh, where you and I, I know we talked about this, but we can reintroduce you. It's been a while. Uh, when it comes to bugs. Were you just a weird kid that was, was oh. picking bugs? You know what I mean? Like, what was your childhood weird in, in, a, bu- in a bug fashion? I, I guess there are stories of me as being, a, you know, barely able to walk and, and collecting uh, caterpillars and those types of things. And I guess my uncle is still mad at me for releasing a bunch in his car, but I, you know, I was too young to remember that. <laughs> you know, so I've always kind of been into it, I guess, yeah. And then how did it evolve from there? How did it, uh, oh. you know, into, into high, like, grade school, high school? Did you, Were you a weird kid in, in like, in, in those schools? Or did, <laughs> oh, I don't know if I was weird or did you gather that interest as cop maybe in, yeah. in college? Yeah, well, I, I kind of learned about the entomology degree or the or the that, that career in, in college. You know, when you're in college, you kind of explore different areas. I was a biology major, took a great course called entomology, did really well in it, talked to the professor there, and he said, you should probably go to graduate school for entomology. I was like, what do you do with that? Well, you can do a lot of things. You can teach, of course, like I'm doing, do a little some research. You can work for agribusiness, uh, for the state and federal government. They're always hiring entomologists, too. Yeah, that's all. I, I took Bio 160 at Stevens Point, and uh, when he put the slides of, like, the amoeba up to you have to remember this and it would zip zip around on the on sounds the like projector. a paramecium yeah, yeah and i was like um it was going 100 miles an hour on this slide i can't see it how was i supposed to draw and remember that and then i failed that test and i changed my major to communications uh which i later learned like a like a much later i was like oh that's what all the athletes take in college uh, to just get by so that they can keep playing. Maybe I should have. So You're doing fine. Anybody that's a, a comm major, just go get a different major, and you can do all the comm stuff uh, through through work after college. But uh, we want to talk about this uh, in in after the break, coming up on the show later. I'm teasing this. Um, what what are called? Is it periodic cicadas? That's right. Yeah. Um, we've we've heard this news for how, how long? Do you think the the media has been talking about? The, it's about a month. About yeah, a month now? Yeah, I feel like it's weeks, been... Well, yeah. I've been bugging you for, for a couple to, of months, I'll have to look at my email chain, but yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, these... So what what are called periodic cicadas, and we can get into it in a little bit, but essentially they're going to they're gonna start coming up on the East Coast this year, and these are bugs that just come up every 17 years? Yes. How do they know that? Yeah, That's yeah, the 17 one 17-year cicada, yeah. <laughs> how do we know that, or how do they know that? Is that something that... Uh... Well, it's not as important that we know it, but they uh, they have a... You know, they're genetically programmed to take the slow growers, mm-hmm. and so they spend 17 years in the soil eating tree roots and those types of, types of things and just slowly growing, and it takes 17 years for them to do that. Okay, so that's one of the things we're going to talk about. 
Um, another thing we're going to talk about, which is right, this is like your forte when it comes to entomology and, and the study of bugs. It's just the the pollinators, and this is kind of oh, yeah. with climate change and and everything going on. The these have become maybe the most important aspect of the bug life maybe the pollinators or not really well i'm I'm biased but yeah the uh uh, preservation of of a habitat is really important we not not only need you know our crops and those types of things but we need natural environments to to conserve the biodiversity and pollinators are obviously useful for us from an agriculture perspective but they're also really important for maintaining our habitats and our ecosystems. And so I'm really interested in doing, I do research with undergraduate students, and we are looking at various pollinators, specifically mason bees, to see kind of what their habitat preferences is. And maybe we can get an idea of how they're impacted with other pollinators, such as, uh, as honeybees. Are we in, are we in a, a state of panic with pollinators yet? Uh, we have, I feel like we have Walmart making... Uh robotic pollinators i remember reading that story at some time ago like, i don't know if it was walmart per se but maybe the like you know the company that i feel like walmart is the company but uh the, are, are we going to get to that point where well, we don't have bees we just have robot pollinators? well it is we're, we are at dire times with them you know it's uh what, what point do you panic you know we've already had uh, many species that are gone extinct we have uh, uh species such as the rusty patch bumblebee which are on the endangered species list those are you can find those around here in lacrosse wisconsin area um, that used to be once prevalent throughout the East Coast and Midwest of the United States, and now we just see tiny little patches of them now. And so it is a, it is dire times, and you know, and I'm not sure what kind of action we can take, but we can do little things as individuals and maybe help with those situations. All right, that's another thing we're going to get into. And ticks. I just want to talk about ticks. I just have one weird question with twi- ticks we uh, go into detail. when it pertains to my dog. But then it, essentially everybody, you know, not everybody, but a lot of people have cats and dogs and end up with ticks on them, so we could talk about uh the tick dilemma too. Um, but first we got Brad, he's got to do the news and we'll be back with Ted Wilson of the turbo biology chair after this. All right. Welcome back to lacrosse talk PM. Dr. Ted Wilson, the turbo biology chair and entomologist is in studio with me. If anyone's watching on Facebook live, you do have like this palette of bugs. I'll call it a palette of bugs, but it's just the, you know, whatever you want to call that, uh, um, drawer. But, but yeah. the but the one the one that we're going to talk about is, is that one right this the the cicadas that's yep. that's kind of the mo- the most interesting one but uh, before we get to that I, I I did want to talk about my my dog dilemma the deer tick thing oh, yeah. because I've 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 literally read about this and wow I can hear that really with two mics on this uh, but I've I've literally tried to find and I never can find the article because the articles about ticks when they're on your animals is always leads up to getting them off your dog and then, hey, get rid of them. The best, okay, first of all, you get them off your dog. Right. Best way to get rid of them. A burn them? Can you flush them down the toilet? Or oh, what I would do, I would do one of two things. Either stick them in the freezer. I would not squish them. It kind of makes a mess. Throw them in the freezer in a plastic bag or just put some rubbing alcohol over them and I'll take care of them. Okay, well, once you got them off. Once you have them off. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Are you an expert at getting ticks off dogs? Do you have a better, a best strategy there? Yeah, well, the best strategy is to get grab as close to the body yeah. as you can with yeah. the tweezers. Oh, with very, the tweezers? I'm just, oh, very, very I'm something very, it. well, if you can, fingernail it too, and it's gently pull out. You know, there's no twisting or anything no, like okay. that. You don't want the head to get stuck in there. I've read that you can put something on them and then they'll just come out. Is that? Yeah, that's that, hit. That's really hit and miss. The best, the best strategy if you talk with a vet is just to... 
they even have special tools you know, to pull out pull okay. out ticks. Yeah. So and then when you don't catch a tick on your dog, eventually oh, yeah. they get big and fat, and then they you know like then they're really easy to pull off because they're just a big bubble of blood. Essentially, like, the, like a grape, right? Yeah, yeah. and and um, they're they're that's probably really bad if you find them at that point, right? Because they've been in your dog for quite a well, while. Well, at, at that point, what you probably have is a female. Okay. You know, you got you can have male and female ticks on your on your dogs. They're not on us, to be honest with you, right? But uh, the ones that get to that last stage, they're probably a pregnant female, and she's what she will wants to do to kind of get to your question about what happens to ticks if you just left them on there. She would drop off. Yep. And then she would lay eggs, kind of depending on what the species are, lay eggs in the in the soil or in some wood or something like that, and then the babies would come up either later that season or the next next year, and they'd be eggs, and then they have a small juvenile stage too. Okay, so we'll pause here. Okay, the the so she falls off my dog, and then she, can she move? Because she's a big oh, ball man. of – can she even move around? Well, she doesn't really need to move around because theoretically she's on an animal in that's the in the environment that she wants to be in. Right. You know, so if she just drops off, she's probably going to be okay. Okay, so you know where I'm going next is what happens when she drops off in my house on the carpet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you don't, want, you don't want that because she – I mean uh, – she will lay eggs, you know, I'm not, you know, giving anybody, you know, a phobia is here or anything, but you're obviously going to be able to see her and grab her pretty easily. Yeah. Well, you know? if she's in some carpet and she blends in and she's going to lay eggs, I just, the worst case scenario. What kind of carpet scenario, do you have? Yeah. Well, some shag, some yeah, brown shag right. carpet, yeah, yeah. I guess you would. She might blend into that. Um, or she, you know, lands on a pile of clothes or something that oh, you leave. Yeah. I don't know. How long after they drop off do, do they lay Yeah, it's, just, it's probably within a few, a week or so. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So essentially, mom drops off into the soil if, if she's out in nature. Yeah, she's going to be wherever she is. She's probably pretty good to go. She's not. She can't move, right? She, she not not easily. Not. She probably she might molt one more time, become that adult, or or she, if she isn't already, and then she'll lay her eggs, and that's pretty much end of end of her. Oh, and then she dies. Mm-hmm. Okay, was, that yeah. was my next question. If she and yeah. then the little babies. Uh, They're the next generation. Yeah. 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 So the little um, ones can bite too. Those little the babies. Oh, next. I've seen ticks mm-hmm. on ticks on my dog once in a while. Oh, yeah. I'm just like, oh, good. There's um, multiples <laughs> of you, yeah. uh, and you're just what are you surfing your right. friend there? What's going on? And that tick probably on your dog is probably a cat or a dog tick. It's not the deer tick. Okay. Yeah, those are much smaller. The deer tick are. Well, we can just get into this too before we get to the cicada talk. It's good but stuff. The, uh, yeah. The 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 obviously uh, ticks <clears throat> seem to be every year getting worse and worse. Is that because it's just getting? Is it hotter? That there's a longer season. Uh, is there any other reason for that? Well, you know, there, there are people who actually go out and measure tick populations. And what they do is they actually put on a white suit and they just walk through walk through grasses and then the ticks will, will grab onto them. And so we can do, we can do tick, tick surveys and it does fluctuate. It does go up and down mm-hmm. over the years. And, and part, of, part of the problem is that, you know, we're encroaching more on other ecosystems. And so we're always, a new housing district moves in, tills up an area. There's still going to be ticks in there and they're going to still be getting on dogs and people and cats and all those types of things. So have you have you ever done that job? You put the white suit on. No, I have had friends that did it though. Because <laughs> yeah. I feel like you're either you pretend you're drunk and you run into bushes yeah. and and trees and rub up against stuff, or do you, or or you just trip and fall because you're running through. <laughs> yeah, it's not like you're walking on a trail, right? You kind of got to go through where where a deer would yeah. walk. Yeah, well, something. well, see, tick can't jump. You know, they they're not jumping on you. They're not falling on you. What they do is they crawl up on some gla- uh, blades of grass and then they hold their legs out. 
Yeah. And they can even maybe sense the CO2 that we're breathing out. It makes them a little more action. They just try to brush up onto you, and you, they just grab onto you. They're like, they're like, hold their legs out kind of like they're hitchhikers. That's right. right. They're, they're, they're literally hitchhikers. Yeah, unwanted. Um, and then, obviously, the, the deer took is the worst one, right? Because that's the one that, that has well, Lyme yeah. disease, or is there other ones? Well, uh, yeah, Borrelia burgdorferi is the bacteria that's found in... Um, and black-legged ticks, also called deer ticks. And, and so the deer tick is actually carrying that bacteria. It's a vector for it. And so the, the deer tick uh, actually will eat other, other critters too, not eat. They'll, you know, consume blood. And they actually get the bacteria probably from a rodent, you know, rats and mice. And then they fall off and uh, they'll, you know, they'll attach onto deer and other dogs and, and humans as well. And uh, they'll actually release the bacteria in their bloodstream. And that's where we get the Lyme disease from. Yeah, and and then that you know I don't know how an expert on Lyme disease, but that seems like just the the weirdest problem because some vets have told me yeah you don't even need to test for it because it's it's hard to test for and on pets. and then um, on people then it's like I know friends that have Lyme disease mm-hmm. and and it's kind of a bothersome for them at, at times yeah, and, sure. and I've known other people that have their pets have died from it and or mm. pets have been severely impacted from it you know just yeah. sore joints and whatnot. It's something so, you do not want. And I don't. I don't know much from the pet world, but uh, if you've got the bullseye rash, hopefully everybody knows about. Definitely get tested if you've got joint pain. You know, also maybe talk to your doctor, see what's going on. Joint pain from not just from every day, because I, I mean, or I just joint, getting old. Or, but, I joint pain, but, but it does day. seem like it's arthritis. <laughs> it can cause severe okay. things and get in your brain and those types of things as well. No, and then, and then another thing with ticks too is uh, I always I have opossums by. Do you say possums or opossums? Either is correct. Yeah, okay. So I have possums out by my house uh, all the time, and I, I think they're cool animals. And the little babies too. ride the, the mom. You Marsupials. Know. Um, and, uh, you know, I've read all the time that, you know, possums are like the garbage men of of <laughs> nature. Like, they'll eat anything, including ticks. Uh, yeah, they love ticks. So like, are they just finding tick nests? Is that what? Oh, they just hunt down the ticks. Yeah, they're they're right there in the weeds with them. They uh, will we'll sniff them out. They'll, they'll visually see them. They're very, you know. They'll be right in there and just eat them like uh, we eat popcorn. Is this they, they have great sight or something? Because I feel I don't know how ticks hang out. Ticks are are they just getting them one at a time? Like oh yeah, it doesn't no, feel like a good meal. Like, hmm, one it's got to be a lot a lot of ticks. They eat thousands every year, right? So uh, I, I don't know exactly if they're seeing them or smelling them, but you know they they've got a good way of getting them. But when ticks hang out in nature, they're kind of one, just one alone, or they're not they're not oh, hanging out in groups, right? No, they're not they're not a social or eusocial type of a, of a animal, but they're going to be. You know, think about that where we left off with your, your dog tick. It's all those babies are generally in the same area, and they don't go long distances. Yeah, okay. So, so yeah, finding the babies. So yeah, opossums eating a lot. I, I read like five thousand in a season they might eat. Uh, yeah. And you would need. I feel like I need five thousand ticks in a day Just to fill up. <laughs> <laughs> not that I want to eat any ticks. That's right. right. That's right. Um, eating bugs, uh, probably probably not mm-hmm. one of the things you want to eat. Is, oh, is bugs ticks, are great right? to eat. Yeah, well, bugs are great, but yeah. probably not ticks, right? Well, depends. You know, they, you can you can buy cricket uh, granola bars. You know, yeah. they're from, they're from, they're made with high amount of protein, lots of fiber. That's the future. Yeah. We're all yeah, going to be right. eating crickets at some point. Is uh, <laughs> is the cricket on there the one that we're going to be eating or not? This thing here? Uh, that, no, probably. Well, oh, that the camel cricket. Yeah, it I'm looks like familiar. a decent. It's a there, you know that would that would have some juiciness to it when you eat into it when it was I'd alive. I probably put it. Have we done uh, air fryer crickets yet? Air fryer crickets are a good one. When I made crickets and cricket brownies, I, I kind of basically I roast them. I can't believe you didn't yeah. bring some cricket brownies. I'm sorry. That would would that you would want legs or no legs? <laughs> the legs are nice because you have a little handle. I mean, the idea that I used to eat frog legs as a kid. Mm-hmm. Frog legs? Yeah, right. That's what yeah. you would eat. And yeah. then just the the idea of that now seems ludicrous to me. I, Why? Can you buy frog legs? For sure. I, what? What's uh, maybe buzzer billies? Though? 
other movie. <laughs> I just I haven't even thought about it until just now. I'm like, yeah. oh, I used to eat frog legs and it was like nothing, and now it seems just yeah. completely ludic- ludicrous. Yeah, yeah. You know, people go out and spearfish for them. Um, all right, so I got the. I think that's all I got on ticks. Did we cover ticks pretty well? And just yeah, I think I think so too. It's a good story. I just I really wanted to know what the hell happens to these things after they fall yeah, off my dog into a big blob. You're just you're just seeing a snapshot of their life cycle. So and nobody know. ever writes about that uh, when they're when they're talking <laughs> about ticks because it's like once you get the tick off the animal, get rid of it. However you want to get rid right, of it. Right. And it's like, well, what happens? If I don't, you know. Yeah. The, well, that's why you do want to get rid of them. You know, they're they're right at the end of the life cycle. It's probably, like I said before, it's probably a female that's going to lay more eggs. Um, and then when you're freezing them, pr- definitely just don't set them on top of the, like the ice cream pail, right? Put them right, in a zip. Right. Yeah. <laughs> can a tick can a tick live in the freezer if no, you just let it in there? Yeah, no, I don't think so. It wouldn't it yeah. would maybe burrow not, into not something. Not at that stage, you know. Yeah. Maybe you, maybe as an egg. Unless you had a hunk of dirt in there, it could burrow into or something. <laughs> Uh, that's Dr. Ted Wilson. He's a Viterbo biology chair. He's an entomologist. Uh, we're going to talk about this, these, this periodic cicadas because, and this is going to happen. This we have periodic cicadas here, right? Yep. The, the, yeah. The seventeen-year cicadas. Every seventeen years. Uh, yep. But we also have what did you call them? The other annual annual cicadas, yep. which would be every year. Every year. Yep. Okay. So, yep. and we'll get into that. These uh, the idea that these critters are coming up out of the ground in millions. Mm-hmm. Is it millions? Mm-hmm, probably. On yeah. the East Coast. Uh, not the East Coast, but in the eastern region of the yeah. U.S. And it won't be long before they're doing that here. But uh, we'll get into that after Scott doing the Scott's comment and then Brad doing the news. We'll be back. All right. Welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. Dr. Ted Wilson in studio with me. We're talking about bugs. Ted is a Viterbo Biology Chair. He's an entomologist. Um do you introduce yourself as entomologist? No. Or, no. You know, I should maybe more often, but I'd probably get weird looks. Yeah. Well, people <laughs> might not even know what that means. They probably think you're an epidemiologist at this point because of COVID. Mm, and, they yeah. just think, and then they start asking you vaccine questions. You're like, I don't yeah. know what you're talking about. <laughs> no, just uh, Ted's fine. Um, but we're talking about, uh, well, we talked about quite a bit. Uh, we talked about deer ticks. We talked about, we talked a little bit about pollinators. And what do we? What else did we talk about? Did we just tease everything else? Um, the, the, oh, the one thing before we we get into the cicadas thing. Uh, the last time you were on, oh yeah, we talked about uh, we. I, it was one of my favorite shows because we talked about Florida man controversy, like the every you know the the Florida man stories. But in between that, obviously, um, of course, Florida is doing GMO mosquitoes, genetically modified organism, organism mosquitoes, mm-hmm. and they're 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 releasing. And is it is it the males that can't re- they're that are essentially, or is it the females that they're messing yeah, with? Yeah, they, they're releasing males that mate with the native wild females, and they produce just males. Or they produce females, too, but the baby females don't live. Okay, so Florida's uh, messing with nature, and we kind of <laughs> came to the conclusion that this is okay, this is, or not. So, uh, what, uh, opinions are very wide and far on this. You know, it's, you're not going to get any Frankenstein mosquitoes or anything like that. Are you messing with nature? Yes. Um, you, you're preventing, you prevent, you're preventing diseases, probably from, you know, Zika virus, West Nile viruses, those types of things. Um, and perhaps, you know, also comfort with people not getting bitten as often. Um, if the mosquito population was just wiped out completely, mm. would that's, that be bad for nature? Like for bats and whatnot? Yeah, that's a bad idea. They're, they're pretty low on the food chain. Uh, you're going to have bats, frogs, fish, a lot of things, eat mosquitoes that, you know, can't get by during those periods when the mosquitoes aren't around. So okay, so yeah. I mean, is, is with Florida releasing GMO mosquitoes, 
would it would it wipe out the mosquito population there or just a certain certain species? i hope not i don't i think it's unlikely that the goal is not to wipe them out it's kind of as a control mechanism suppress pop suppress the population periodically or during certain times of the year i mean the the, the gmo mosquitoes that they make you know they're the males so maybe yeah. they make them really hunky and like ribbed and all the females are like look at that guy he's yeah. really good looking yeah, as opposed more to sexy the, mosquito there right yeah. because the the regular <laughs> male mosquitoes that would actually reproduce might not might not look as attractive to the females well, so you got to be careful well you're tapping into something i mean it sounds like natural selection I mean, we never know what happens you know at that level so, so yeah if they make these gmo <laughs> mosquitoes so much better looking than the regular mosquitoes yeah. then we might see a mosquito yeah. population wiped out um but in in your opinion, do you think that just we shouldn't mess with that and like figure out another way to? That's coexist a real or? tough question because I, you know otherwise we're putting out chemicals. You know, when the chemicals are polluting the environment. They're killing things that aren't mosquitoes. Um, so it's interesting to check it out. You know, kind of see maybe it's a more uh, a less toxic way of doing doing the pest population control because we do need to do that. That is one thing that helps prevent uh, sickness and diseases and those types of things. How, any predictions on mosquitoes this season here in our area? Well, it's been pretty dry this year, so that usually means that not not as good for mosquitoes. So with this rain, don't be surprised if we do see a pop-up of a population here. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think Brad told me, Brad in the newsroom, a couple of weeks ago, he's like, I had a mosquito on me. I was like, oh, good. Like it's that that seemed pretty early, but uh, mosquitoes and gnats. So those are two like most annoying things. Black here. flies, gnats, those things. Yeah. Um, but if it's been pretty dry, uh, maybe that means for the rest of the season it will, or once it gets, we'll see mosquitoes. Uh, mosquito forecast will be that there are mosquitoes this year. <laughs> right. Oh, I know that. <laughs> it's just like at some some seasons there's more, some seasons yeah. there's less. Right. Yeah. Depend. And the, does that depend on a the rain and maybe the winter we had? Well, uh, so winter is definitely a factor. Um, a lot of the mosquitoes, a lot of a lot of these things live in aquatic environments. You know, if you have a really hard winter, that could be hard on them too. Um, these are also really fast reproducers. So if we do get a period of time where it's good good conditions for them, you will get large numbers pretty quickly. Yeah, dump out all your uh, standing water. Yeah, around that's right. Your house. I think I have a bunch of that now since it rained the other day. All right. So back to the. To, let's get into this uh, periodic cicadas. Uh, mm-hmm. The eastern hemi- the eastern, not the eastern, hemi- the eastern portion of the United States is going to see millions of these things come out of the ground, and it's, it's not like they they they've been in an egg or something. They've been like burrowing around yeah. underground. They've been alive for seventeen. They, years. They've been alive for seventeen years. Really slow growers. Um, you know, first of all, cicadas are not locusts. A lot of people call them a locust. Locust is actually a, a type of grasshopper. Uh, cicadas are these. Uh, uh, these these guys that come out in the summer that we have around here, but we have this variety coming out every 17 years. There's a one that's actually a 13-year cicada as well. Um, and uh, the big news that's been going on for quite a while now is we're going to have this brood 10 coming out. And uh, there's going to be millions of, uh, of these periodic cicadas coming out in mass uh, as kind of a strategy to avoid predators, to avoid mixing with other populations and reproducing uh, over the next few weeks. So they just started coming out. Is it kind of like a mayfly situation where they're out and they're, a, a weird nuisance for a couple of days and then they're gone. Or? Yeah, it's good. Yeah, yeah, a little bit longer than mayflies. We know, obviously, everybody around here is familiar with way, uh, mayfly hatches and those types of things. So it is large numbers of them, except they're on land, they're in the trees, and they're making this horrible noise. All this, the screeching cicada noise that maybe you're familiar with in the summer. Yeah, we hear this. We hear this now, but it won't be a million of them at once, right? Yeah, it's deafening. I was able to witness that when I was in graduate school and down in central Iowa, and it was uh, Ames, Iowa, and it was. Is really cool. I mean, I kind of think of it as, you know, it's not a disaster situation. It's kind of like, you know, when, when you have an eclipse, it's a really cool thing. Go out and check it out. It's not dangerous or anything like that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's something to, uh, kind of one of those unique things of nature. If you're in, say, a, a, 
a large city like like Boston. Mm-hmm. I feel like they're going to come. Will they come out of the ground right in the city there too? Or uh, not? the most, be... most of them will be in uh, parks, uh, natural areas where they've had stable trees. Okay. You know, if you have large, they need trees. They're feeding on tree and plant roots yeah. for that period of time. So, well, you know, when you say that the noise is deafening, is yeah. it nonstop deafening all day long for days? It's, yeah, it's loud. Yeah. <laughs> just a kind of a constant screen, that type of a noise. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I was just thinking, like, if I'm living in a in a city, maybe even, like, if, if this was, well, this is going to happen here or not? Well, we are going to have, we have a Brood 13, so in about three years, 2024, we'll have our, our hatch here. And it's not quite as widespread as the Brood 10, so we get to see these once in a while. Maybe people, some of your listeners have, have seen those. It's going to be, you know, 10 years ago now. Okay, so these, the ones that come out here 10. come out every... Every seventeen, well, same we, same years. Oh uh, yeah, we generally have some here about every seventeen years as well in okay. Wisconsin. In twenty twenty four, you said yeah. that's going to happen, but it won't be deafening, annoying. All day it'll long. be it'll be it'll be loud. Um, I have not seen the Wisconsin one yet. I have not been in the area for for that long. Are you just like licking your chops? Three years. I can't wait. <laughs> I, yeah, I want to check out where it is. Yeah, I'll, you know, maybe if it's worth a little drive too to even go go collect a few. Um, if that was happening. If it was as bad as it is on the eastern portion of the U.S., if it was happening here, I feel like lacrosse is a pretty natural area. Mm. I feel like a lot would come out of the ground here. Yeah. And I just, going back to the deafening sound, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> would it be pretty annoying to, to be around in lacrosse when you, that happens? Well, deafening is maybe a little overstating. It's, it's loud. You know, if you're familiar with the cicada sound in the in the fall, or I'm sorry, in the spring, um, summer, summer, whatever, you know, it is loud and some people are annoyed by it, but it's... Uh, it's very neat and, uh, you know, only 17 years. I just, you know what? I should have just, like, uh, YouTube this so we could hear uh, the sound. Yeah. So I'm going to try to do that uh, while you're talking. But, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and, okay, why is it 17 years? How do they know that? Is it ever 18 years or 16 oh, years? Oh, right. Well, you know, there are, there are, there are 17 broods. So somewhere in, the, in primarily North America, um, there's cicadas coming out in some part of the country. Um, so this is brood 10, and uh, they are essentially, they're, they're timing their growth. So, you know, they need both uh, uh, slow-growing development as well as predator avoidance is some of the reasons that they do this. Um, and so it's not like they hold a committee meeting and say, hey, you know, two more years and we're going to come out. Um, so you may get a few that might come out the year before the, or the year after, a little bit of variance there, but there's definitely kind of a, a distribution where almost all of them come out on the 17th year. Um, will climate change mess with that or like a, a, a warmer mm. environment? Uh, the, Interesting. The roots aren't as good. Right. We got to well, get up earlier. Yeah. Well, they're definitely impacted by temperature. Now they're under, they're in the soil for 17 years. And so soil temperature obviously moves a little slower than atmospheric temperature. And so, you know, this time of year, the soil needs to get to be about 60, 65 degrees on average before they are warm enough to start coming out. And they actually come out, and they are, they're kind of looking like these little creepy little uh, brown things that maybe you've seen them on tree trunks or on playground equipment, and they molt out of that into these little that them right little there? red-eyed guys. I'm, no. just, I'm looking at them. Uh, I don't know what the sound is going to be. I'm just going to play some random. First, there are merely thousands. Oh, it's BBC. Okay, but, but what are, it's David Altabon. Uh, David, I can't think of his last name, from... from uh, the planet Earth. Oh, there is. Well, you can't hear the sound because you don't have your headphones on. Wait, I can do this. The adults are clumsy and very edible. It's softer, but yeah. Okay, I, better better not, I better not play any more of that. Yeah. I'll get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah, 17 years seems such, such a random 
random time. Yeah. And then there's different ones that come out in different years, right? Yeah, so we also have 13-year cicadas. And so maybe one of the reasons that this happens is um, speciation. You know, we have new species that evolve through natural selection. And one of the things you want to avoid is mixing between a different species. And so if you have one species that comes out every 17 years and one that comes out every 13 years, you're actually not going to overlap for every, I think, like 220 years, you're going to overlap, and so you really have separated have you done, yourself. Have you done the math to see if you'll be um, around when, when they overlap? Have you done that uh, well, math? Well, no, I haven't done that math. Because we're, yeah. we're at 21 <laughs> and we're at uh, 24, right? right? So it doesn't seem, I guess I don't know. I'm not That'd a That'd be a really race. rare year, really annoying year. Um, yeah. If I was better at math, I'd be able to figure that out. Somebody figure that out when uh, 17 and 13 years comes to, to collide if they're coming out in 21 and 24. Um, and these things, are they are they for when it comes to mayflies, obviously mayflies are important for everything else because mm, a lot of things mm-hmm. eat mayflies. Right? Um, is that is it the same with cicadas or not really? Not really, and that's part of their strategy. You know, if you're under the ground for 17 years, nothing can really adapt to you unless it's also underground. Yeah, it'd be weird for something to man. I can't wait until I can eat again 17 yeah. years from now. Now things are around that'll eat them. You know, birds will have a heyday. You know, possum probably pick up a few yeah. as well. You know, and raccoons and birds. All so. the animals during that that summer or that time period right yeah. now, right on the they're, they're yeah. all just going to be a little bit fatter. They could this be, season, yeah. Right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, with millions of these things coming out of the ground. Um, all right, so that it just seems like it's such a weird phenomenon. I've been bugging you about it for a couple of weeks, and finally, like you said, they're starting to come out now, mm-hmm. right? Like yep. the temperature in the ground is warmed up just now. now so, if you, you know, if you are have, have a chance, you know, you, I mean, I think there's an eastern part in Illinois that has them. Otherwise, you can go further east and east coast of the United States will have them. You know, find find some uh, some locals that kind of know where the, where to go. About you know, a state park, national park, probably is going to have these out there. Or just wait three years, and I'll bring you back, and That's we right. can preview this. And where, where, where around here would it, you know? In I'm looking forward to it. I don't know. Yeah, you haven't figured out no, where I they would figure that out. Yet. How do you yeah. do that? What, what would you think? Uh, how, how would you even understand? It? Would you we go have to look at historic... into the ground? Oh, you have to look at historical out? records. So where they are from uh, and past. But as I understand it, central central Wisconsin and the west side of Wisconsin is going to have them. Okay, I feel yeah. like you should know this stuff. I mean. <laughs> But it only happens every 17 years. Yeah. So were you even thinking about this stuff 17 years nope, ago? Nope. Nope. I wasn't even in Wisconsin then. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, all right. So that's Dr. Ted Wilson. He's a Viterbo biology professor and uh, entomologist. So the we, we talked about this at the beginning of the show, the kind of like your your bread and butter, your forte when it comes to bugs is pollinators, habitat. Oh, yeah. Um, something that's that's pretty important here. Um, you know, just the, the, the idea that we got to provide an environment yeah. for our pollinators. What's the best thing that people could do in their back, in their front and backyard? Right, right. Well, I get a lot of questions. You know, people, a lot of people ha- want to do something, you know, we, we want to help the environment. Well, I think most people realize that, you know, humans have at minimum, uh, some sort of impact on the environment. And if you look at habitat loss, habitat destruction, fragmentation of the good habitat, you'll um, need those in a minute. Okay, all of, all of those all of those things add up to negative effects, and um, pollinators are a great place to start. You know, one reason is we 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 most people see them as useful. You know, not only for uh, pollinating crops, but also just for pollinating plants in general. And so, if you have uh, you know attractive land, you want to plant uh, prairie. Uh, if you have a smaller smaller parcel of land, you want to you know you can, you can buy pollinator blends of plants and you can plant those. Um, uh, one that we are working with, I have a couple of students, we're looking at mason bees. And so those are a solitary bee, a native pollinator, meaning that they've essentially always been here in North America, um, and which you can have by mason bee homes. And mm-hmm. they'll actually need a little tube or some sort of hollow where they will 
lay their eggs. And they're a great little bee because they don't sting. I've actually held them on my hand when I helped them out of their pupa. And, you know, provide a little soil, a lot of pollen, and there's something that will help you and uh, pollinate. You know, orchards also you use those have, as well. You just have, like, pet bees around and you name them? and No, I, I, no, I try not to get attached, but, yeah. Um, yeah, these tubes. They, now, when you have these little these little homes that you you can build or put around your your area, your yard, or whatever, do you bring them in in the winter? Or? Oh yeah, you do. Yeah. Okay, yeah, you should. Uh, you can uh, put them in. You don't, you don't want them in, like in a freezer or really warm. So if you have them like in a cold building, you know where they're gonna just keep them in your garage. And yeah. if it's cool and damp, or yep. is that I, yep? Or if you have a lawnmower shed or something like okay. that, that'd be great. Um, and then hope that you can get them outside before they decide to come out. You want to bring them out when it starts to get to be about 60 degrees air temperature. Okay. Usually in April. All right. So Joe's calling in. Joe, you got a question for Dr. Ted Wilson? I I don't know if you covered this or not, but if you think it's interesting, the sound that cicadas make, you should learn how they come about. That's even more interesting. How they come about. Do you know what he means there? I'm not sure. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? Oh, they're well, vibrating. I mean how... How cicadas are, how they come into the, this world. Uh, how they reproduce? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yep. I mean, yeah, they're hatching and they uh, emerge out of the soil. So they're actually brewing up and then try, usually a tree is close by. And so they'll crawl up that tree and mm-hmm. then uh, it's called, uh, they, they emerge out of their out of their skin. And they leave back that skin. It's called an exuvia. Okay, so, and that's, uh, I mean, that video that we were watching, that seemed like that that was what was going on there. The Planet Earth by the BBC Planet Earth. Uh, all right, we're going to take one more quick break. We'll be back after this. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. Just a couple minutes left here with Dr. Ted Wilson, entomologist, uh, Viterbo Biology Chair. Uh, I, did we cover, I feel like we covered anything. Any other weird bug phenomenon that's, that, that maybe uh, we as a, lacrosse area will experience uh in the summer or anything that you predict uh might be more of a nuisance less of a nuisance this, this well season? there's always a few to always look out for you know um one of the one of the things that's really important are these invasive uh groups of insects so uh maybe people have heard of japanese beetles um huge huge problem um uh, earwigs um the multicolored asian lady beetle or as, an, as another as what another is group japanese beetle is the japanese beetle on there um, oh, on my box? Yeah. Um, I don't no, know if I know I what that not. is. I guess I could Google it. Yeah, There's well, this yeah. I have. Well, a Japanese beetle is kind of like a darker colored June bug. And, oh, okay. And um, it has uh, little white tufts along its side. Oh, I have these. Yep. Yeah, yeah. They're all over the place. Uh, they're on milkweed all the time. They're on milkweed. They're going to be. Uh, they're going to be any, on a lot of flowers, hibiscus, tulips, all those, all those types of. Now things. I think about it. That when I do see these, I'm, I'm squishing them. Yeah, these are these are a problem one. They um they're obviously they're they're well established. Uh, they eat flowers and the leaves and those types of things. And there's they're 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 one that you, hopefully we don't have large numbers of those again this year. Um, uh, I get a lot of questions about the multicolored Asian lady beetle. This is one that gets in our houses over winter. Yeah, we did a whole show on that. That was mm-hmm. uh, those things are stinky, but not really a nuisance, mm-hmm. but just kind of well they're annoying, but not really uh, right problematic. Yeah, they're so actually yeah. beneficial to soybean farmers. Um, and then earwigs are kind of a weird one, but we only have 20 seconds. 20 seconds. Yeah, um, yeah. Earwigs are, they're they're also like the the Asia beetles, right? They're just kind of annoying, but they're not really. Yeah, a, they're going to be living in Deadwood and those types of things and kind of being more of a nuisance getting and, in things. And we did never, we never got to Phil's question, what is it that held the insects back from developing into sentient beings? But, uh, Short answer, they seconds. don't need to. They, they don't, don't need, need to. to. <laughs> maybe, maybe they've evolved beyond us. Yes. Uh, they've been uh, around before They're much us. more dominant. All right, Dr. Ted Wilson. Hey, thanks a lot for joining me. Thank you.